God. Aren't you thankful for that? The God who brings beauty from ashes, who makes a way where there seems to be no way. And that is the God we get to call on. That is the God that we can put our trust in. Amen.
thank you, God, for being one who is always listening for our cries, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust your heart, that we can trust your ways, God. And that while it seems like what is happening may be bad, God, that you can turn it around, Lord, for your glory, for your honor, Lord, and bring those beauty from ashes, God. Thank you, Lord. We trust in you this morning, God. Our faithful, faithful God, we trust in you. Amen. Amen. Good morning again. It's just awesome to be in the Lord's presence and to feel Him and sense Him moving today. And a little bit later here in our service, uh, you will have opportunity to come before Him in an altar prayer, uh, confess sins, uh, call upon Him for help, uh, worship Him, whatever uh, the moment of the hour would be. It, it's good to be here today. Uh, some Sometime late this past year, um, I, I can't remember the date, but... Cynthia and I were visiting our, our church in West Helena, Arkansas, where Sister Doris Smith is the pastor. And, and uh, uh, while, while I was there uh, preaching, um, it became, uh, at first it was a little bit of distraction. In, in fact, I hadn't hardly started and someone held up a sign that said, Amen. And so I'm, I'm curious as to what that was about and uh, it was the granddaughter of the pastor and no the daughter of the pastor wasn't it and she said well mom has grown a little bit deaf in her older age and uh, she was complaining one day that nobody was amening during her sermons and she said mom they're amening all the time you just can't hear them and so she said I struck upon the idea of these amen signs so I have threatened to take those with me wherever I preach and pass them out the, the point of that story is that uh, amens don't scare me off. It, some, uh, an old preacher said it's like saying sick them to a dog. So um, if, if today the Lord shares something, whether in word or song, and it resonates in your heart, it's, it's always appropriate to give a response to what the Lord is saying. I always look forward to the uh, Christmas season, uh, this holiday uh, it's one of two holidays, really, those would be more appropriately called holy days, uh, the Christmas Advent season where we recognize and acknowledge the sending of the gift of Jesus Christ to this world. And I'm excited today to be able to share with us from Scripture uh, one of these memorial, uh, memorable passages. And today I'll be looking at a verse of Scripture uh, taking the text today from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, right in the heart of, of this uh, great passage about the announcement of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to read this verse, then I'm going to call upon Cynthia to pray for us that we will collect ourselves in the Lord's presence again, as I've shared with you most of the times I've been here. It's on you today to bring yourself before the Lord and to let all the other distractions go. The most important thing that's going on in your life right now is what the Lord wants to speak to you today. So it's important that you bring yourself before his presence. So the scripture simply says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child 
and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Cynthia, would you pray for us? Amen. So, the Lord helping me today, I would like to share a thought about keeping Christ in the midst. The passage here in Matthew chapter 1, if, if the audio team would get ready to key up the video, key up the video here, Emmanuel. This, Matthew chapter 1 is the literal fulfillment of an Old Testament cry. A cry that comes from Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 where the prophet gives a prophecy of something that is going to happen in the future. And so the scripture in Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So if you're ready with the video, and uh, we can go ahead and have that. Shall come to 
Praise the Lord. Amen. I don't don't know if you caught the difference between these two passages. The Old Testament passage speaks about a day in the future. Shall come. It will happen. And there is great cause for rejoicing today because the announcement in Matthew chapter 1 is where it declares that it was written, but now it has been fulfilled. Jesus is among us, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. The interpretation of this uh, through the years is, uh, has been pretty much the same, and that almost everyone says Emmanuel, whether you spell it with an I or an E, it still means the same. It means God with us. So the thought today is keeping Christ in the midst of Christmas. I, I ran across um, this article that I thought I would share with us here today, and it's, it's a, a, a true happening from an event in the metro uh, uh, subway there in D.C. And, and so this, this lady writes, he emerged from the metro at the plaza station and positioned himself against the wall beside a trash basket. By most measures, he was nondescript, a youngish white man in jeans, a long-sleeved T-shirt, and a baseball cap. From a small case, he removed a violin, placing the open, open case at his feet, He shrewdly threw in a few dollars and pocket change as seed money, and he swiveled to face the traffic and began to play. It was 7.51 a.m. on a Friday. For the next 45 minutes, the violinist performed six great classical pieces. During that time, 1,097 people passed by. No one knew that the violinist was Joshua Bell, one of the world's leading classical musicians, who fills concert halls. On this Friday morning, Bell played on one of the most valuable violins ever made, a Stradivarius valued at $3.5 million. The train station provided great acoustics for his performance, and the beautiful music filled the morning air. Over the time that he played, seven people stopped to listen for at least a minute. Twenty-seven people gave money. Just to give a frame of reference, Bell was accustomed to getting paid $1,000 per minute at his concerts. This day, in total, he received $32.17. At the end of each piece, there was no applause, just silent indifference. The master musician was ignored. People walked past musical glory without giving it a second glance, with the exception of two people. The first was a postal worker named John who had learned the violin as a youth. He recognized the quality of Joshua Bell's performance and stood enjoying it from a distance. And then the second was a woman named Stacy. Stacy had seen Bell in concert three weeks earlier and recognized him. She had no idea what was going on, but whatever it was, she wasn't about to miss it. She moved closer Positioning herself front and center, and she had a huge grin on her face and stayed for a whole concert. Later, it was Stacy who told the reporter, It was the most astonishing thing I've ever seen in Washington. Joshua Bell was standing there playing in rush hour, and people were not stopping, not even looking. Some were flipping quarters at him. Quarters, I'm thinking. What kind of city could this be that I live in? That wouldn't recognize Joshua Bell. And as I as I found that, I, I thought about the dilemma of keeping Christ in the middle of Christmas. Christmas certainly has 
been transformed into something that was far beyond the intention of the scripture where what we call the hustle and bustle. Uh, Someone said that the average American family spends about $2,500 on Christmas and goes into debt every year to do so. You've probably heard uh, about the statistics of crime and depression and suicide all escalate during the Christmas season. And all of this goes back to this, this wonderful thought from the scripture that if we could grasp this and we could catch this, this season will be so different. The prophet Isaiah said, there's coming a day that there will be a savior born. His name will be Emmanuel and he will save his people from their sins. And the announcement on the birth of Jesus Christ is this is the guy. This is the one. He will save his people from their sins. Now the word, as I mentioned earlier, Emmanuel is God with us. And so that by itself is not the most accurate understanding of what Jesus would be. His name Jesus comes from the word Joshua, means Savior. And so in reality, his name is a combination or a mixture or a merging of these two titles that God with us saving people or God with us helping. And that's, that gives a whole different outlook on what it means to have God with us. So you just hang with me. If you had one of those amen signs, you can start using them at any time here. So uh, the Jews were not, this was not a new thought for them about God being with them. They had a rich history of God being with them when they were delivered from Egyptian bondage and were brought through the Red Sea. God was in the midst when when they traveled again, the tabernacle with them, God with them. So this was not a new thought for them. It was not a new concept. It wasn't a brand new theology that was being introduced to them, God being with them. But God being with them moved through their their understanding of the Lord to where it was not something that they always cherished, God being with them. Uh, you may recall what the book of Hebrews relates, uh, the Old Testament time in the, in the wilderness where they come to the mountain of God that's shaking and burning. And after they had been disobedient and had made the, the golden calf, here they are. Moses goes to the mountain and it's alive with the fire of God. It's trembling. The author of the book of Hebrews says this mountain was literally shaking with the presence of God. And so much so that the people did not want to come near the mountain and they were afraid of what God had to say. So God being with you by in and of itself is not always a comforting thought because he is the God that knows everything. And humanity's tendency to not live up to God's expectations has always been the same. And so even today during this Christmas season, just the simple thought of God being with you may not be one that calms your heart. Because if you just think of it in that terms, he's the one that knows the secret thoughts of our heart. And so in the moments of our failure, even perhaps this past week when you were not at your best, God being with you catches you and sees that. And we, we have a word for that. We call that conviction. When, when we're caught in the middle of doing something that we know we shouldn't do, There is a Savior that loves us enough that he convicts us. But when you throw in the meaning of his name, not only being that God is with us, but God is with us helping, then it's a whole new ballgame. Because God with you here today, he does not speak into your life to cause you to be offended. 
and run out of the door of this building and be ashamed and be condemned in your sin and die in your sin and never be able to help you. But he would save this world from their sins. And so God being among us here today is great and powerful, but him being here today to help us and to save us from our failures and to save us from our faults. And to save us from all the way that we have missed the mark of what God wants us to be. But there comes Jesus Christ, God's gift of the world, to lift us up and to help us. And so, because of that, we should be able to join with the songwriter. Rejoice! Rejoice! Oh, we can lift up our heads today because He has come and He is here to help this world that is dead in their trespasses and sin. So again, what, what a great Christmas thought. And so if you don't take away anything else from this sermon today, understand the power of his name being today for you, that he, he is God with you, helping you. What a, what a great name. Yeah. Now, now, we know that not only did he come to be with us, and did he, uh, there, there's another great... Um, Another great aspect of his coming and, and what the New Testament would look at in a way of him being for us. Uh, there is a, the verse of scripture said that if God be for us, who can be against us? And it would be wrong to read that scripture as thinking, you know, with what the word if means to us, that if God, because there's not a question of if. The, the, the statement is God is for you. And because God is for you, what can be against you? And so in, in the scripture, let, let me turn in, uh, in the scriptures to, uh, let's, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. And this introduces the thought for this sermon today that not only is God with us, but God is for us. And, and so here the verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 says, For there is one God... And one mediator between God and men, uh, the man Christ Jesus. So what a great scripture again. That, that not only is God with us, but God is for us. What does it mean that he is for you? Well, this text here says that he is the mediator. Uh, I don't think that's probably a new word to you all. You all probably heard the word mediator before. Uh, a mediator is someone that looks at two parties that are opposite and are against each other. And we most often think of this in someone that would mediate peace settlement between two warring parties. And that's exactly, again, what this man-child, Christ Jesus, has done for you because he is for you. So uh, when you think about a mediator, there are some things that are required of a mediator uh, of, uh, for us to settle the differences. I, I love what the New Testament reminds us of, that, that we have a ministry of reconciliation. And that we ourselves have been reconciled to God. That we are no longer at odds with Him when we receive the, the man-child, Jesus Christ, as our Savior. So first, what happens for there to be a mediator is that they must be acceptable to both parties. For, for someone to really be a mediator... There needs to be a, a, a level of understanding that he is, he is uh, acceptable to both parties. That if you go into any kind of settlement, again I'm using as an illustration, if, if there are two nations at war and they are trying to negotiate peace, 
The one that does the negotiating needs to be agreed upon by both parties. If just one nation is for it, it doesn't ever happen. And, and so for there to be a mediator between God and man, then both parties need to be accept, acceptable to that. Now, it would, it would be another sermon entirely this morning to remind you how that God the Father accepted Jesus Christ's offering. That's it's powerful in itself. And then when I think about that, it, it moves me. It moves me emotionally. It moves me spiritually that the offering of Jesus Christ on the cross, where, uh, again, when, when I'm using the thought of Christ in the middle, he hung between two thieves. And the New Testament uses the word in the midst, there hung Christ. And, and so the, the fact that he shed his blood, there, there's a powerful um, nod of approval from the Heavenly Father that his offering was acceptable. The offering of the unspotted, unblemished, sacrificial Lamb of God had heaven's approval. That he approved the offering, that no one else could have ever done that. No one else could have taken the place of Jesus Christ. But he willingly went to the cross, and there he hung on the cross for you so that he could negotiate a peace settlement between you and God the Father. Hold up those amen signs. That's a good place for one. Again, and because of that, because Emmanuel is with us and God is for us, then we can sing with the songwriter, rejoice, rejoice, because the day has come. He is for us. I love how the New Testament shares the example when Jesus is going to be baptized and John the Baptist is preparing to baptize him. And as he is being baptized in the Jordan River, there is a voice from heaven that says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Everything that the Son of God did pleased the Heavenly Father. And so he was accepted by our Heavenly Father to be the negotiator of our peace settlement. So the other party in this settlement is you. And the only way that this works is if you receive him as the mediator. If you, if you receive again that I need someone because I, I cannot, I, I've tried to make peace on my own. And every time I do this, I find myself falling short. Every time I try to do right, as the book of Romans in Romans chapter 7 says, I want to do the right thing, and I try to do the right thing, but it never works out for me that way, and I find myself being frustrated. What you need is that you need a negotiator. You need a mediator. You need Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came to be for you. He is on your side. He understands you. And so... Again, for the, the idea of a mediator to work is that need to be acceptable both parties. Uh, the, the, the second thing about this is that for a mediator to work, he must receive delegated authority from both parties to negotiate peace. And, and so again, with, with the Heavenly Father, there's plenty of scriptures. I'll just use one, but it says that He hath appointed Him heir of all things. And, and so the, the Heavenly Father endorsed the offering of Jesus Christ. He received His offering and He's appointed Him. He has all authority. And so it remains for us here today, will we give Christ the authority in our life to make the changes that we need today? Again, Emmanuel, I think um, 
The, the moments in my life where I've rejoiced as the Old Testament did, come to me, Emmanuel, come to me. And then the part of me that rejoices when Jesus Christ literally comes and makes that happen. Uh, it, it is a, a vivid recollection in my mind today, the first time that I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. The first time that, we rec- that He reconciled me to God the Father. The very first time in my life where Jesus became my negotiator or my mediator. Again, that song of praise bursting forth that you have come here because you are for me. Now, the third thing that needs to happen with a mediator is that he has to be uh, qualified to consider and understand both parties. Now, this is another big one. And this is another place where only one person could do that. And, and the author of the book of, of uh, 1 Timothy, the scripture that I shared, calls him Jesus Christ, the man-child, or the man Jesus Christ, the child. And, and so the, the point of this is that no, there's, there was never a situation. It is almost beyond comprehension that a virgin could be with child and conceive. That, that, that Jesus Christ was conceived by, by the Holy Spirit. How could that ever happen? How could that be? And it's almost beyond our framework of thinking. But again, for the cause that we have where we keep failing and need Emmanuel to come, we need God to be for us. This is the only way that it could happen is that the mediator had to understand God and he had to understand man. And there was never a situation where this could occur except in the way that it happened with the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Amen, Brother Smith. <laughs> the last point about Christ being for us or God being for us is that it must be one who has a compelling interest in the resolution of differences. I'm thinking about how the Lord searched for me. Uh, I, I know the New Testament tells us that uh, that his ministry is to seek and to save the lost. And there's something powerful about that being a general appeal and a call to the entire world. But there's something stirring about it when I think about how that he searched for Gary and how that he longed for me. And uh, I, I'm pleased to tell you today that he's not any respecter of persons. He didn't search me out because he knew that I would become a preacher of the gospel. Uh, those aren't the reasons that he searched me out. He's not a respecter of persons. The, the theme, the golden text of the Bible is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. So what does that mean for me here today, preacher? It means that he cares deeply about you. And he's reaching to you today. He's... Uh, uh, He's seeking you this morning. And if you're here today and you're away from the grace of God and you've not known what it is to trust in the Lord and you've not been saved, you have not been reconciled to the Heavenly Father and your life is full of struggles and life really is the hustle and bustle not only of Christmas season, there's such great news during this Advent season that Emmanuel has come. And uh, he's here today, and I feel him moving and working. And so Emmanuel is God with us, helping. Uh, the coming of Emmanuel means that God is for, for us. The last point of this, and then we're going to be praying here in a few moments, is that not only is God with us and not only is God for us, 
but God is in us. This, this is such a uh, profound statement from the New Testament. And uh, of, of all the things about God being with us and God being for us, God being in us is the one that causes me the most amazement. I mean, I know, uh, again, um, all the stories about, um, you know, the redemption of Israel through the ages and all that he's done. But the fact that the, the God of the universe would choose to make his abode in me, would choose to live in me, is sometimes uh, beyond almost human understanding. And yet the truth remains. In fact, the, the New Testament says that this is the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Meaning, if, it, if it's going to work any place at all, this is the plan of God that it would work in you. If you were here with us in Sunday school, Sister Nagel always does such an awesome job in teaching. But today's lesson was really powerful about redemption. And as she was talking, uh, my mind went back to, um, to a young girl I met in Bulgaria. The second trip I made to Bulgaria... And uh, we we partnered with our uh, infant church there to help build the church. And on our second trip, the the church had started planting a church in Vetovo, Bulgaria. Uh, Vetovo is a is a home of a gypsy community in Bulgaria. In in the country of Bulgaria, gypsies have no rights. They they're not allowed to be citizens. Voting, of course, is not an option anyway. But they they have no rights. They can't possess homes they can't hold jobs and so the the old uh, song that some of you may recall uh, gypsies tramps and thieves uh, that that certainly epitomizes the life of a gypsy in many European countries that they they don't have a means to survive but to steal uh, and and uh, to have a life of fraud one of the ways that a gypsy family makes money is that if, if they have boys they they uh, they there are different classes of, of uh, gypsy boys, but they can grow to be knife makers, of which they're famous for, or or they they can grow to be expert thieves. In fact, many of them, when they're just small children, they'll cut off their thumbs so that they can be pickpockets much easier. But if you have a girl uh, on her 13th birthday, you sell her uh, to become a prostitute. So the dilemma that we had in Vetivo is that the Lord was raising up a work. And, and I can't remember this young girl's name, but I remember the Sunday that I was there speaking, she was weeping in the altar. And through the translator, I asked what the problem was. And uh, the translator said, well, she's, she's accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, but her birthday's next week, and her father has intentions to sell her. And so we, we made a few quick calls, and, and at that time, the, the price for a... Gypsy girl was three thousand dollars, and we were able to raise the money to purchase her. And so this young girl knows what it is to be redeemed, knows what it is to not only know Jesus Christ and to know the challenges of what would take place. And I thought about that that moving story for me, seeing her face even today while I'm speaking to you, to once again remind you that uh, that that power of redemption of Christ living in you is as real for you today as it is for anyone. He cares so much about you this morning. During this Christmas season, we have the wonderful privilege 
uh, I would almost say, of being unchallenged, of boldly sharing the message of Jesus Christ. He is the reason for the season. I'm going to ask Sister Lisa to come back to the piano and the, the chorus that you were singing earlier about um, uh, uh, Tis So Sweet. Would, would you just get ready to play that here? I know with the Lord there aren't accidents and, and that it's not an accident that you're here this morning. And, and I feel a, 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 a different spirit of the Lord moving here today and working. I sense him being near. I, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord. I, I don't know what confusion or anything else is that's going on in your life. But I know that Emmanuel has come. And I feel him here today. He's here right now this morning. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And Sister Lisa, if you just begin to play that song softly. And I want to remind you that it's, it is okay to trust him today. Because he is with us, helping. God with you, helping you. So what, what do you need help with today? What is the area of your life that you need to surrender to him this morning that he would help you with? Maybe it's burdens and troubles and trials. Maybe it's sin in your life that you need to confess before him. And you need to acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior. There's no better moment or better time in your life than this morning today to come and call on Him. And so if that's you, this altar is open to you. If there's anyone else that would like to come and kneel this morning before the Lord, that's what today is about. This is your opportunity, as I said earlier, that you have a chance to respond to what God is speaking into your life today. So what do you need him to help you with? God with you, helping you. During this Christmas season, allow him to come near. And don't, don't forget this. Emmanuel has come. And Emmanuel's here today. Heavenly Father, as we get ready to invite this church to prayer, I'm just believing, Lord, that your spirit is drawing us. And that without you, Lord, we, we are powerless and we can do nothing. But with you, we can do everything. And so today, Lord, nothing surprises you about us. And you know, you know the things that we bring before you today. And we need your help. So come and help us this morning. Come and help us today. We accept you and we receive you in Jesus' name. Church, will you stand with me across the building this morning? I want to allow you opportunity and privilege to come before him. If you have a need... And you want your church to pray with you. Would you come at this time? Would there be anyone that would like to come to the church here this morning to come for prayer? Thank you, Brandon. Anyone else that would like to come today? Praise the Lord. Emmanuel has come. The Lord is here to help you. Because He cares about you. He is for you. He's not with arms folded today, pointing fingers, shaking His finger at you and condemning you. But He is here for you today. He cares about you. Church, would you stretch forth your hands this morning as we have prayer here today? We're believing for the power of God to make a difference. We're believing that here in this altar this morning, that He is a present help among us. 
And so we're acknowledging our need. We're saying, come help us, Lord. Help us today. Praise the Lord. Heavenly Father, this morning we just pray and we believe. We thank you for Brandon, Lord. We thank you that he's been drawn of your spirit today, Lord, to this building, Lord, to this moment. And we pray right now, Lord, for whatever need that we have, that you would help him, Lord, find the way, Lord, to trust in you. That it is sweet to trust in you today, Lord. And here in. Thank <laughs> you.